everybody, uh, this is Josh Schultz. I'm pastor at Mountain View Lutheran Church in Great Falls, Montana. And I'm Nathan Larish, pastor at Illumin Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And uh, Nate and I are getting together, having this conversation, uh, to have it with you, to give you a piece of God's Word to chew on uh, during the week, and uh, to benefit you spiritually, to grow you in your faith, and today to grow you closer uh, to your Good Shepherd. Today, we are in John chapter 10. Uh, last week, we cho- co- covered verses 1 through 10, and today we're going to talk about uh, verses 11 to 18, and then touch on 25 to 29. So uh, if you have your Bible open, um, go ahead and, and look at those. And then, uh, But before we, we get into the text, Nate, you want to give uh, some context of, of where we're at and, and what the focus is today. Yeah, sure. Uh, so in this section, Jesus is still talking to the Pharisees, just like he was last week. And um, the Pharisees were a group of people who thought they were really great because they did a lot of good things, at least outwardly. Um, but they were, as Jesus tells them all the time, they were far from him because they thought they could see life clearly uh, without seeing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So last week, Jesus told the Pharisees, They weren't true shepherds. He said, I am the gate. I am the only way to eternal life, the only way to God. Um, And this week, Jesus is laying down the fact that he is the good shepherd. So that's what we're talking about today. All right, and I will read those verses 11 to 18 to start. Uh, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay it down and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Love it. I'm just going to jump into... The very beginning there Let's where like Jesus, Jesus just says it very simply. He defines who he is and who the good shepherd is. And he just says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And perhaps first in our minds as well, it should be, I guess, is the fact that Jesus literally died on the cross for the sheep for, well, he died for all people to take away their sins. Um, but the word in Greek for life there, it's, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it exactly correctly, but psyche, um, which is like our English word. Well, we get our English word psyche from it. So it doesn't just mean his natural life, like he died on the cross, but it, it means like he laid down his self, who he is, his entire existence, uh, his entire existence, his, his like personal goals or personal aspirations, like that just was not a part of who Jesus was in any of his time here on earth and really ever like he, he laid down his life in the fullest sense 
his entire self was for you and for me and for all all the sheep and then contrasted with you know between him and the hired hand it's just a beautiful picture of Jesus laying down his entire self and being for you and me and I'm just going to pause there yeah no I think it's it's so um I mean it's hard whenever we look at Jesus we see a man fully human and a lot of times because of that we we jump into our reality because this is all we know and experience right of like even when we serve and even when we love people when we do something mm-hmm. for them it's you know in some way it's going to benefit us isn't it you know and there, it's kind of hard to get around that uh but when we talk about god himself jesus being true god at the same time it's like god doesn't get things added to himself because of us, right? Because God is full, God is complete, God is uh, totally glorious. Um, any word to describe or characterize God, like God, God is not wanting in any way. And so it's the fact that like when Jesus does this, when you talk about it's like just to drive that point home into our hearts again and again, that he does it all for us. His attention, his focus, his purpose is all on us. And it's just so beautiful when you talk about Jesus being the good shepherd. He talks about his person, you know, who he is. But then when he talks about his purpose of laying down his life, who he is, he's the good shepherd. But his purpose is all for us. His purpose is is not about him. It's all for us. I love how you said that um, about what God is not cannot be added to we don't add anything to god and um i'm going to take it one step further tell me if i'm wrong uh we can't like no one on earth like nothing adds to us like we are full and that happens or because of anything that people do for us or that we get from people or that we earn no we are full in god in the good shepherd and that's the but like like you said like the hired hand and the hired hand, like, he's not a, a bad dude um, here. Like, he's doing his job. And actually, it wouldn't make sense for him to give up his life to protect one sheep because then the animal that killed him is just going to kill the whole flock. Like, he needs to, in a sense, save himself. And that's, we could go down a whole other avenue about Jesus laying down his life and it actually benefits the sheep. Whereas if a normal shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, uh, well, then there's no one to protect the sheep, so he can't just lay it down. But and I guess that's I didn't, enough. Yeah, I didn't. What? And it's kind of we can't forget what Jesus just just said in verse ten, right? He says, "The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full." And you talk about in Christ by faith, receiving mm-hmm. all of the blessings of what Jesus did for us. By faith, like we are full, we're complete, we're completely forgiven, we completely have God's grace, we are completely and fully loved, we lack nothing from God. Even if we lack earthly things here in this life, we lack nothing from God truly and spiritually, and that's like the beauty of it, and that's what having life to the full is. And what does Jesus say right after that? And I guess I didn't make this connection uh, before. He says, I give you life to the full. Why? Because he himself lays down his life for you. Yeah. Yeah, like you, well, you and me, and you, listener, you are full right now in Jesus. 
And it might seem like a bunch of other things day to day or in your future or something you're missing. Like that would be the thing that would make you full, but no, you are full and you have a fulfilled, full, abundant life in the good shepherd and nowhere else. And I'm preaching to myself right now. Yeah, no. And it's all cause, cause he gave up his life for us. He laid it and talk about, I want to talk about that too at the end of, you know, of his approach and how he does it. He says, no one takes it from, no one takes his life from him, but he says, I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. And I guess like, you know, it's really important to remember that. And sometimes I forget too, especially, you know, going through the season of Lent, Good Friday is coming up. Uh, talk about Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Palm Sunday before that. We talk about how Jesus was so wrongfully tried, wrongfully accused. He was totally innocent, not only obviously before God being perfect, but like all their accusations were just lies. And you see that again and again where all these people wanted to do was get rid of Jesus, but he was innocent. Um, and a lot of times we look at that like Jesus was the victim, right? That Jesus was like, oh man, he got the short end of the stick and this is just another, you know, and that's how some people view scripture in Jesus' life. Oh, he was a great teacher. He did nothing wrong, but yet this is another example of society in this world, you know, and the injustice of it, right? And it's just like... Yeah. But Jesus chose it. Jesus chose it. This was his plan, right? And he weaves all that when you talk about injustice, when you talk about innocent but yet being tried and convicted it's just like this was all a part of his plan of right here of laying down his life willingly this phrase might be out of date but when when jesus says no one takes it from me but i lay it down in my own accord i just think man that is so boss <laughs> like just just like i don't know whatever whatever you want to call it i like I I love hearing Jesus say that. Well, we were talking about this before, right before we started recording, you know, kind of putting an outline to our discussion. And you said, uh, and it's right, you know, this is another one of those mic drop moments. You know, mm. of Jesus just dropping the mic being like, you have nothing to say in response to this. Because think about who he's speaking to. You go back to John chapter 9, which we talked about two weeks ago, of saying, um, you know, he's speaking directly at the Pharisees, calling them out on their, you know, false teaching and not being good shepherds. And these are the guys who at this moment in time, because this is this is winter, you know, late fall, winter, and in just a few months in spring, that's when he's going to go die in Jerusalem. It's like, this is later on in Jesus' life. And he is... And they are already putting the plans in the work. They are looking, we see this throughout the Gospels, they are looking for a way to get rid of him. They are looking for a way to accuse him and to really execute him legally. Um, yeah. That's why when you see it, it's interesting, this is a side note, of they're always trying to get him to say that he is sent from God, that he's a son of God, because that's in their day, you know, blasphemy. Anyway, so they're planning his execution, his death, and Jesus tells them right before that, just a few months, he's saying, but wait a minute, you guys aren't really going to kill me. I'm laying down my life. And you're just you're just pawns in this plan to save you, uh, to save the sins, of, you know, to take away the sins. Yeah. Of the 
Yeah, and even, you know, to give a little preview of next week, because we're working through John 11 already, where they again start in earnest to plot taking his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember reading, reading some commentator, someone said last week, talking about here in John 10, don't think, don't think that Jesus dying on the cross, like if you're a Jesus follower, don't think of it as Jesus being defeated. And all the enemies of Jesus, you know, they could not think of it as victory, even though they did at the time. Because then Easter morning, oh, he came back to life. Like how jubilant they must have been. Like, we got him. He's finally gone. We're rid of this guy. And then, oh, he's back. Right. Uh, which is just another mic drop moment. Uh, and that's what Easter That's what Easter is. Just total authority. If we, if we ever think, if the Pharisees ever thought, if we ever think, oh, yeah, I've got it all. Like, nope, we don't. And that's such a good thing because Jesus has got all authority. And he, he seemingly got rid of the authority to die and give up his whole life. But actually, that was him using his authority to serve the sheep, to serve us. And we see that. Isn't that cool? It's another thing we used one of our lessons. Um, I, I didn't pick it, but I, I was actually thinking about it of revelation seven remember when john who writes this he sees the vision and you know worthy is the lamb he sits on the throne who was slain right and we see yeah. that in the glorification the exaltation of jesus as resurrection it's just like that happened because he did what he did he laid down his life that's what gives him all right power and authority so all right. Yeah. One one side note too, just a question. You know, when he talks about the wolf, you know, the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. I know just in my sermon this past week, and you know, I made the application with the devil um, being the wolf. Now, you know, how does the devil, you know, scatter the flock? How is that his strategy? Um, yeah, you have any thoughts on that? The wolf scatters the flock. The devil scatters us, I think, any way that he can. Um, like any possible thing he will try. Because he he knows each of us. He's very powerful. He knows each of us and, and what might have the ability to rip us away from Jesus or rip us away from each other. And I don't know if you were getting at this, but I think it's interesting how John doesn't say the wolf comes and takes people away from the shepherd. Uh, he talks about scattering the flock, which I think lends some insight to the importance of Christian um, community and being together with other Christians, whether it's in worship or Bible study or just doing life together. Um, someone on their own is always more susceptible to attack than a group of people. I don't know. Is that where you were going with yeah, asking no, about just, the wolf scattering. I just see that in here of Jesus when he talks about the flock. But the emphasis, you know, he's going to be the one to protect us. But to say, you know, of God telling us again and again, and you know, who's ever listening, um, I don't know what your current situation is. Um, and again, we're not talking at all about you know worshiping in person or online, whatever it may, might be. But just an encouragement to be connected to a group of Christians and what we see that in like real life American America 2021 is being connected to each 
be, being connected to a church, you know, a family of believers that's there to support you and help you, you know, who are fellow sheep. And it's just an encouragement to us uh, to cherish that and to invest in it, our time um, and our support and our work with them to say, you know, what an awesome thing to say. Uh, he, he, Jesus does not want you to be a sheep, a lamb out there on your own. Yeah. Call someone today, like pick up the phone and just call them and say, Hey, I'm just thinking of you. I care about you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking with someone an hour ago and, and they just had a death in the family. And, and he just said, man, I never realized how much just someone calling and not even saying, you know, like magically wonderful words, but just calling um, even more than a text message or something, which is great as well. But um, call someone up today. Let them know you're thinking about them um, and that Jesus loves them. And um, it's a really good thing. And it's more difficult. It's more difficult when you know people are physically separated and things. Um, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. Phones are a wonderful tool. All right, should we, let's jump into. Let's jump ahead here. Uh, and I'm going to read um, 24 through 30. Uh, where Jesus says, where, where the Jews, uh, it reads, the Jews who were gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. Uh, the works I do in my father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Um, yeah, just, if you, I, I just look at this. If you ever doubt your status as a child of God, right? If you ever, um, are afraid, and I think a lot of times, if you're afraid of yourself, meaning of wandering away, straying away, uh, being separate from God because of what you've done um, and the guilt you feel, it's like, this is the place to go. Yeah, I mean, in consecutive verses, Jesus says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Um, So powerful. Um, so don't like, don't worry about it or don't worry about your future. Like, what if I fall away from Jesus someday? Don't worry about it. But, and I know we're headed here, so I'm just going to go there. Don't worry, but don't be complacent. Don't worry, but be, I don't know, maybe a way to say it is don't worry, be wary or be aware. Um, because the devil is like first Peter five, eight says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Um, and there's some other passages we could look at, too. So, yeah, um, I, got another, I got another one here, too, um, from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, where Paul writes, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Um, yeah, just... The threat is real, and obviously, and we know of Christians, and you probably have people in your own life that you know who were believers, and then they fell away from the faith. Is the threat real? Uh, is the devil rolling around? Yes. 
but it's not by your own strength, right? And that's the point of John 10, that it's like, it, it's your good shepherd. It's, it's you trusting and clinging and listening and following Jesus. Like he's the one who's going to protect you. So just continue to rely on him and be connected to him. You know, and we do that by faith, uh, naturally a gift from God. But at the same time, it's, and I think about this too, um, when, where was it? Uh, was it where Paul writes talking about, um, oh yeah, in Philippians 2, I have it in here, of continue to work out your salvation. Um, that's not saying that we participate or cooperate in being saved. But yet when he says that, he's just like, faith is an active thing. It's an active trust. It's an active fruit producing gift and tree that God gives you to say, uh, to continue to do what you're doing right now of, of, of listening to God's word, listening to these spiritual conversations, having them uh, with your fellow believers. Uh, a lot of times that's going to just play itself out at church, being in worship, uh, connecting to a church of working out your salvation in that way is, is going to keep you close to your good shepherd. I remember one or two of our professors in school saying, like summing up the Christian life as saying, be who you are. Like you are God's sheep. He's never, he's, you know, no one can snatch you out of his hand. So live as, as one of God's people. And that's doing all the things you just said. I'm going to throw this out there. We can debate it or maybe you'll agree. I don't know. But you said, um, fall away, like the person who was a Christian, but then fell away. And I've used that phraseology too, but maybe better would be to say someone who was a Christian and then left the faith. Um, because fall away kind of imply or could imply that it just happens and, you know, whatever, they're not to blame. They just kind of fell away. Um, but, you know, using Jesus is snatching them out of my hand. No one can snatch you out of God's hand. You can jump out of God's hand. Like if you want to leave him, you can do that, which is really sad. But um, I don't know. What do you think about that? No, I think that's good because when we talk about of like when we talk about our salvation, who gets the credit? A hundred percent God. Uh, but then when we talk about, you know, if you use the term falling away, you're absolutely right to say like, oh, you know, you just stumbled and fell. It was an accident. No, it's it's an active turning and rejection of what God did for you in Christ, and it's saying to your good shepherd, you know what? It's been good, but I really don't need you anymore. And it's going off on your own actively, and that's a good way to. That's a good distinction to make. Yeah, and it might feel like we're just drifting kind of away, but it's much more serious than just like kind of drifting away and being distant. It's, uh, yeah, like actively turning and going away from Jesus. But the devil's going to try to get us to think, oh, it's, you know, it's no big deal. You're just, you know, going through a kind of a lukewarm patch or you're just drifting a little bit. You'll, you'll get centered back. Um, but then you get, I'm mixing metaphors here, but like you get so far out to sea, then you don't know which way is land or Jesus. Or, um, forget that. <laughs> Keep it in there. I no, think you I know what I mean. <laughs> and maybe that's why we should go back to, to talk about that, to say, you know, why we need a good shepherd. Right. And I think like, and I'll just, I'll throw this at you and then uh, I'll respond and I'll, I'll answer the question too. But just like the fact that Jesus is your good shepherd you know, how does this lead you to appreciate and value and cherish Jesus more? My answer would be verse 14. 
that Jesus says, I know my sheep um, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the fact that Jesus knows me fully, which no other, like not even my wife, not even my closest friends, they don't know me fully. They don't know everything, all my mess ups and sins and every, like I said on Sunday, and I'm going to stand by it. If everyone knew everything about everybody, no one would have any friends um, because there's just so much messed up with each of us. But Jesus knows every single thing about me, even the things that I have forgotten about or don't know. He knows everything and he still chose to lay down his life for me. And that I'm eternally thankful. I guess for me, it's like that, that aspect of why do I, why do I appreciate Jesus more fully because he's my good shepherd? It's like, I'm not lost. You know, what, what would life be like not knowing where I'm going in eternity or what is going to happen in the next life or the promises and assurance that, um, you know, that even though I'm not in control, somebody else is and he's working all things for my good and he's my good shepherd and he's going to do this for my eternal benefit. Um, for me is to say as a good shepherd, like I always have somebody looking out for me, even in the bad, uh, in, in the joys of life and the sadness and grief and heartaches of life. I always have my good shepherd guarding me, guiding me and loving me and protecting me to say, if I have that, what more do I need? And, and Jesus fills that void that is naturally in our heart. And he fills it and he, and he gives it to the full, right? <laughs> Giving life to the full saying, um, taking out the pasture. I don't know. There's just so many. That's why I love this good shepherd chapter. It's just so dynamic, right? Like it's so dynamic of all the roles and jobs and, of a shepherd to say Jesus fills them all perfectly. And because of that, I'm safe because of that I have life to the full. Yeah. He never runs away. He never abandons you. So, all right. You want to wrap up? Uh, you want to wrap up with prayer, Nate? Sure. Uh, dear Jesus, you have uh, told us plainly. You have shown us plainly plainly that you are indeed the Messiah. You are indeed our good shepherd. Uh, you lay down your entire for yourself. Uh, you are full in yourself and so you exist for us. Um, help us to see every day and believe and take to heart that we are full in you because you are our good shepherd. Um, thank you for knowing us fully and still laying down your life for us. Um, let that give us ultimate peace and comfort and also move us to continue to work out our salvation by learning from your word, reading it, studying it, worshiping you. Um, and let, let that move us also to lay down our lives for others um, because we can, because we're not full because of our actions. We're full in you. So thank you. Good shepherd. Amen. Amen.